What's up, you guys? It's your host, Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. Today's episode is one I am thrilled to share with you. We've had a couple episodes here and there that have dipped into the postpartum. Catch Sarah Jane's episode about the postpartum feels. If you haven't, it's such a good one. But today we're taking a little bit different of an approach and talking with Rachel. She is a postpartum nurse. She is going to give you all the details about why she is actually in your room every hour or so after you have that baby. So tune in and let's get a little more educated together. nursing school and she is going to walk us through a bunch of postpartum things that like I just feel we don't expect and it would be very beneficial to have real expectations of before you go into your birth. So introduce yourself Rach, let's just get going. (laughs) Perfect, hi my name is Rachel, I am a postpartum mom and baby nurse. Um, I have been working at my job for almost two years which it, kind of wild when I think about that. I'm like, two years? It's gone by so fast. So fast. It's so crazy. But yeah, it is the best job in the world. I get to work with moms and babies all day, and it's just a beautiful thing. So, big fan of postpartum baby care. I love it. I always joke with Jake. I'm like, I feel like postpartum would be the job that I would for sure want if I was ever to like go work as a nurse as an old lady. I know, yeah. not to say that. <laughs> Younger girls can't do it, but I'm, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Like it is the dream place. I feel like people dream of ending up there and it's so hard to get a job there because it really is. People are like, I get to go see brand new babies and like fun new parents and just, I don't know, meet people in this brand new life change, which is so fun. And you really can make such an impact in people's lives. Yeah. You know, I think of my, like my postpartum nurses and like. I, they just hold a special place in your heart because you really are so vulnerable and emotional right after you have a baby. And when you have a good nurse, it's like, oh, bless them. Like, they, they change your life. So I'm sure you're one of those for people out there. You're sweet. I always say our good days are really good and our bad days are really bad. But the good always Yeah, 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 that's true. But let's be real. So when it comes to postpartum, There are so many things that I feel like, one, you're not educated about prenatally, and two, that just, like, punch you in the face, (laughs) and and it's just, I don't know, something that I think would be so valuable to really educate women out there about, and this number one point is that, like, there's such a thing about people thinking that when they birth in a hospital, after they have their baby, they are just going to be bothered all the time like you see memes you see tiktoks you see like reels about it all day long like your postpartum nurse coming in every three minutes flying the curtain yeah yes yes oh my gosh girl how are you like how's the baby you know and valid 
we are in your room every so often, but I think it's very important to explain why you're there, what you're looking for, why what is happening is happening. Totally. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Yeah? Yeah? That sounds okay. good. Okay, love it. So what do you think point number one would be that people, like, don't expect and are like, what is happening? Uh, definitely fundal pick. Okay, yes. Everyone's favorite thing postpartum. Yes. Jump in and talk about that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, love that. <laughs> so there's a reason we're doing funnel pick. That's not for the sake of the nurse to have fun laying into your stomach. Um, yes. We have several things that we're looking for when we're doing a funnel check. Um, so let's talk about it. Funnel checks are us assessing what your uterus looks like postpartum. Okay. We want to know the location of your uterus, if it's firm or soft. We want to know if there um, is significant bleeding happening when we're pushing on your uterus, all the things. Um, so that gives us a good indication of what your uterus looks like postpartum. Okay. And, yeah. like, you're wanting their uterus to be firming up yeah. and to be staying midline and to, like, slowly be moving down. Totally. Like, towards their pubic bone, essentially, from their belly button. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're pregnant, your uterus stretches to hold your baby. And once the baby exits the uterus, we want it to shrink down back to its original size. Yes. Um, so we want your uterus going back below where your, I always want to say, umbilical. Yeah, I know. You're a baby. <laughs> <laughs> back where, button. like, your belly button is. <laughs> yes. I know. Below the U. Below, <laughs> yes, below the U. Below your belly button. Um, we want it to be firm, and we want it to be in the center of your abdomen. Um, so those are the things that we look for when we do a fundal check. We'll also take a peek at your bleeding while we're pushing on you, making sure that you're not oozy, which oozy is a very common term postpartum. Mm -hmm. Probably funny in any other unit of the hospital, but yeah. <laughs> oozy is a valid term here. So we're looking for um, bleeding when we push on your uterus. Which, like, I also think that's important to talk about, is that bleeding obviously should be expected. Yes. It's the amount that you guys are keeping, like, very, very close track of. Yes. Right. So we are measuring your blood loss very closely for at least the first 24 hours postpartum. Um, you'll have an immediately or an immediate blood loss right after delivery, um, and then you'll continue to bleed usually for several weeks postpartum. But we want to watch really closely that first 24 hours and make sure you're not getting to um, what we would call like a hemorrhage level of blood loss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so there are several risk factors that you can have. Um, as an individual, that can put you at a higher chance of having a hemorrhage postpartum. So we're keeping a close eye on those things as well. Um, Do you know those off the top of your head? Yeah, I actually have a list here. So okay, let's, let's just yeah, read it off. These. I'm curious. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I don't know that I know. Um, and these are for the hospital that I work at. It might be different hospital to hospital. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. But these are some kind of your like algorithm for hemorrhage. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, so if you are a child of labor after cesarean, that can put you at a higher risk for um, postpartum hemorrhage. If you have also known as a VBAC. Yes, a VBAC. <laughs> <laughs> I was so surprised. When I started working labor and delivery, I was like, what is a POLAC? Yeah. Like, seriously? No, I seriously was. I was like, mm, okay. Yes. But so makes VBAC, sense. Okay. Yes. Um, if you have greater than four previous deliveries, okay. that can put you at a higher risk. Um, if you are having a twin or triplet pregnancy or higher multiples, that also puts you at risk. Bleeding disorders, um, having a history of a postpartum hemorrhage can leave you at risk to, again, have fun in um, additional deliveries. 
If your hematocrit is less than 30, that'll put you at a risk of NEET. Um, low platelets, which contributes to clotting factors. Factor. Yeah. Okay. Uterine fibroids, which can impact the way that your uterus um, cramps back down postpartum. Mm -hmm. Polyhydramnios, which <laughs> in other Just words, like way too much fluid. Too much fluid, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if your baby is estimated to weigh more than four kilograms, that can also put you okay. at risk. And four kilograms, factors. thinking like nine pounds or more. Yeah. Right? Big is baby. four nine? I'm thinking like nine and a half? Around Something there. around yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not good at kilograms. No. <laughs> um, if you are receiving oxytocin or pitocin for greater than 12 hours during your labor, that can put you at an increased risk. Which that's also like kind of interesting to me. I think it's a very valid risk, but yeah. that puts almost every laboring person mm -hmm. that comes through the hospital, probably 90%, like yeah. at somewhat of a hemorrhage risk. Totally. Because I feel like most people are either induced or receive some level of Pitocin yeah, while they're in the hospital. So that's interesting. Yeah, my understanding is that it um, works your uterus very hard during labor. Mm -hmm. So once you get postpartum, your uterus is a little it's tired. It's just tired, of yeah. and doesn't want to do it anymore. Totally. Um, if you receive magnesium sulfate during your labor, mm -hmm. that can put you at a higher risk. Um, a prolonged second stage of labor. Sustained antepartum bleeding um, okay. can also put you at risk. And then if you have an infection during labor, we call it triple I. Um, yes, <laughs> get into that. If you if you know yeah. a little bit about it, I think that's so interesting. So you yeah. should jump in and just kind of <laughs> give like a little bit of an yeah. insight into what triple I is. Totally. So sometimes um, you're at a higher risk once your water is broken. Let's say that. Mm -hmm. um, it can put you at a higher risk for bacteria getting introduced. During your cervical tract, during your labor, all of these mm -hmm, things. Um, mm -hmm. So you can develop an infection during your labor. Um, things that we would look for with that is a maternal uh, fever, tachycardia, um, if your baby is having tachycardia, mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. So we watch, um, you know, your vitals and your baby's vitals very closely during labor just to yes. keep an eye and make sure there's no signs of infection there. Yes, which I think also so important to notice is that, or not notice, to mention is that like, not only are you watched during postpartum, but, like, they're keeping track of you during labor. They're watching you over this whole period that you're in the hospital, like, checking your vitals, seeing how, like, you and baby are doing, because this really is a big change for your body, you know, physiologically and hormonally and physically, and so it's just, there's so many pieces that go together, yeah. and when you piece them together in the right way, like, it makes sense as to why, you know, your nurse is doing the things she's doing, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And in hearing that list, too, I'm just sitting here thinking kind of a good way to maybe think of it in, like, a simple way would be anything that's, like, stretching your uterus more than average right. <laughs> maybe yeah. puts you at a post postpartum hemorrhage risk because yeah. it's, like, multiples, too much fluid. Totally. Like, you've had more than one baby before, and so, like, your uterus has been stretched before. Yeah. And the muscle memory is like, oh, I'm, I'm like, really stretched out, but yeah. I'm tired, and so I'm, it takes a longer time for it to, like, yeah. come back. And, like, people will say that after they have one or two babies, mm -hmm. that, like, for their third, they feel like their body takes forever to kind of, like, bounce back is the wrong word, but, like, their belly will take a longer time yeah. to shrink. And I feel like that's so real. Even with my second baby, I was like, whoa, I still look pregnant, like, way longer than yeah. I did with my first and I think it is just like your uterus is just I don't know muscle memory I have no idea yeah. no that's a great way to think about it but that's yeah totally you know my two cents and then 
last um, risk factor that I have written down is a suspected placenta complication. And I'm going to have to give a little plug to your oh. previous episode about uh, cletus. Ayo, yep. So that is one of them. Or if you have a placenta cruzia okay. or protrusion. Okay. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to Katie's episode, jump back. I think she was like episode two or three, <laughs> maybe. It was a long time ago. But like Rachel said, your placenta can attach in lots of different ways. And depending on how deep it attaches into that uterine lining, it can cause a lot of issues. Because even when your placenta attaches just like normally, there's no level of like percreta or accreta or increta, like you still have a giant scab when it comes out. Like that's, yeah. that's what you're thinking is like this big thing ripped off the side of your uterus and you're bleeding from it, yeah. you know. And it's about the size of a dinner plate. So yeah. It's, pretty it's no joke. Yeah. And so, you know, imagine that your placenta is hooked in there deeper than it should. Like that scab is going to be deeper and like bleed more and going to be hard for your uterus to like work around that big injury you know totally. that's a really good point love that yeah so those are a few of the things that can put you at a higher risk for increased bleeding postpartum okay so, something we're definitely keeping a close eye on while you're here with us very cool on that note kind of one of the things that I feel like I didn't really expect the first time I had a baby was that I would have to keep my IV in because, like, I have my own viewpoints about birth, and I'm sure people are sick of hearing my <laughs> what I like and what I, you know, all the things. But one of my things is that I really didn't want to have an ID yeah. when I had my first baby. Like, I was like, I'm in labor on my own. I don't think I need Pitocin. Like, I don't want an IV. Totally. And they were pretty adamant that I have an IV in and end all like I got an IV and it was absolutely fine it's not a big deal to have an IV I was just like being dramatic but I think understanding why you have an IV mm -hmm. and why they do keep it in your body a little for a little while postpartum is like important yeah. because when you need it it's really nice to have yes for sure um so a few of the things um that we consider when one, most people will get Pitocin postpartum just immediately after delivery, again, to help the uterus contract back down mm -hmm. to its original size. Two, then decrease your bleeding postpartum. Yes. So that's something um, that is pretty common um, that we need an IV for postpartum. Another thing that we keep an eye on is your blood pressure postpartum. So if you have, you know, a pretty sudden dip in your blood pressure, we're going to want to give you IV fluids to try to resuscitate your blood pressure. That's another reason we like to keep an IV. And, like, your blood pressure might be doing wonky things because think of the, like, fluid shift your body just went through. Yeah. You just, like, dumped <laughs> a bunch of fluid and, yeah. like, blood that your body has now been, like, hosting for the last nine months. And all of a sudden your heart's like, whoa, I don't have the fluid volume that I've had for the last nine months. Like, yeah. what is happening? Totally. And so for your nurse to just be able to be like, Ooh, I'll give you a little bit, <laughs> like you lift you up, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it, it really can make such a difference. Like you give them, I don't know, 500 mils yeah. or not mils, you know what I mean? Yeah. 500. <laughs> My brain, you guys, 500. And like it can make the blood pressure like perk right back up totally. and, you know, yeah. make yeah. you feel a lot better. 
another thing to think about with that blood loss too is sometimes, um, you know, not as common, but sometimes moms do need a transfusion, postpartum, a blood transfusion, um, if they did lose too much blood and if their blood counts aren't looking too happy postpartum. Mm -hmm. So another reason you do need IV. Yeah. Um, if your blood pressure, on the other hand, is too high, um, we'll be keeping a close eye on that so we can give you blood pressure medication in your IV to control those blood pressures. Yes. When we can do it IV, it works much faster, um, and it helps us get you in a safer range much quicker than a normal medication would. Yeah, that's really important. And also, like, another shameless plug. Go listen to the preeclampsia yes. episodes. I Jamie's came out, like, a week or two ago, and there's another one actually coming out in a couple weeks that are some wild stories of preeclampsia and also how, like, their blood pressures didn't resolve as soon as the baby was born. Yeah. So they had, like, post-eclampsia. Yeah. I think is what they call it. But essentially where, like, the postpartum nurse would be dealing with these wild pressures and have to kind of stabilize the mom. Yeah, for which, sure. that's a lot. And it's much easier to stabilize them <laughs> when you already have an IV versus yes. trying to throw one in last minute. Yes, so yes. Definitely. So those are a few reasons that we prefer you to keep your IV. Um, but, I mean, there are scenarios where we do take them out earlier if yeah. mom is very consistently not Yes, and I will be totally honest, baby number two, I was definitely still that lady that was like, you know, not thrilled about an IV, and, um, but my nurse was so wonderful, I, I didn't end up needing Pitocin, didn't need, like, anything, and my blood loss at birth was so minimal that at, like, I don't know, it was like four hours postpartum or something, she took it out, and it was yeah. great, and, like, they totally worked with me. And were so great, you know, because my risk factors were such that they didn't expect me to have a postpartum emergency. Right. Not to say that I still couldn't have had one yeah. and been that lady that they're <laughs> frantically trying to, like, get an IV in. <laughs> but I am just saying, like, it's okay to be that lady if you're really passionate oh, about being that lady. Yes. <laughs> but also, it's very important to tip your hat to, like, why they're asking you to do the things they are within the facility. Because totally. your nurse whatever she's asking of you or doing for you is in the best interest, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, bothersome as it may be, it's important to, like, note that you're just doing your job. For sure. You know, and you're doing it well. Yeah. So. And that's the thing. It is totally, like, a person-by-person person <laughs> thing. Like, everyone's situation is different. Everyone's risk yes. factors are different. Everybody's delivery looks different. Yes. So you kind of just, um, you know, have to look at every situation for what yeah. it is and kind of go from there. And Jake and I were kind of talking before this how, um, just like you said, moms are different. Like, there's the mom that's like, see me as little as you can. Like, mm -hmm. please don't come in. Yeah. And then there's the mom who's calling you every 20 minutes oh, because sure. she needs you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So it's, that's also important to mention that it's like, whatever you level of care, like, you feel you need, yeah. you know, let your nurse know. And she'll probably do her best to, you know meet you where you need to exactly. or where like what you need and everything rather than either feeling like you were abandoned by your nurse or like she was in there too much you know just like setting real expectations for sure and just communicating with your health communicating yes. yes i Being love an that advocate for yourself in either direction ayo <laughs> yes yes whether you feel you need less hands-on care or more hands-on care we're happy to give it to you just communicate that with us yes i love that and to tie it all back in, back to fundal checks, I feel like, I know, here we are, circling back. Um, Big tangent. But I feel like two of the other things that go kind of 
undereducated about <laughs> is that one, you're going to be cramping mm-hmm. postpartum. Yes. And we talked about Pitocin and how like you may be receiving Pitocin to help that uterus cramp down and kind of the physiology of why your uterus is cramping. But like, are moms blindsided by that? Oh, I know I was. Yes. I was like, probably the Pitocin causing those contractions, but if you're breastfeeding too, mm-hmm. those will cause those cramps. So yes, that definitely yes. throws people for a loop. Yes. Like, are no joke. I, I feel like it's amazing because your body really is doing its own job of like trying to shrink the uterus. Yeah. When you think of it that way, it's totally. like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. But straight up, my postpartum cramps were worse than my labor cramps. Oh, Easily, like I was yes. like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> like, yes. totally. And so I don't know, just the expectation that's gonna happen, mm-hmm. very real. But what are yeah. some things that you may do for a mom to make her more comfortable yeah. in those cramps? So we have medications that we can use, and we also have things that are not fully pharmacologic. Yeah, hey, yeah, 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 yes, right. non-pharmacologic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so not a drug. Yes. In other words. <laughs> going to do a shameless plug tell your postpartum nurse to bring you warm blankets yes <laughs> those yes. game changer oh absolutely. i feel like yes and they have a warmer where they just stay so there's yes. unlimited supply yes. usually yes. <laughs> yes. like you go ask for the warm blankets and get those cramps under control yes because it is no oh, joke yes. oh. hang yeah hang in there <laughs> it gets better i promise yes. so the cramps yes but also, the need to pee, okay? Yes. I know, like, depending on what kind of birth you have, you may or may not have a catheter, yeah. and there are different things we can talk about there, um, and kind of, like, how you keep them clean and all the things, yeah. but, like, why they are so, so persistent with you having to pee after you give birth. I'm obsessed with hearing. Obsessed. Um, obsessed, <laughs> to say the least. No, literally. It's kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, we really focus on you emptying your bladder. So whether that is with a catheter in place or you getting up to the bathroom, um, whatever method, we're obsessed with your output. Um, one of the reasons being is that your uterus and your bladder are so close together inside your body. Um, and when your bladder fills up, it actually shifts your uterus out of the way, which inhibits it from cramping back down how it should. This can be an issue, um, kind of like we talked about before, with those funnel checks. So if your uterus is shifted out of the way, it can't cramp back down to its spot that it's supposed to be in, which can increase your bleeding and put you at a higher risk. Um, so it's very important for you to be emptying your bladder super frequently. Um, Anna kind of mentioned that sometimes you'll have a catheter postpartum. Um, so that will obviously do the draining for you, which is nice to know that yes. But yes. we want to get that out as soon as we can. Um, and when you do receive a catheter, it usually makes your bladder pretty flaky. So it kind of forgets how to work when you first take it out. Um, so you may not feel like your bladder is filling up where it actually is um, mm-hmm. because of, you know, receiving IV fluids and obviously drinking, um, yes. all these things. So 
even if you're not feeling the urge to void, um, to go pee, you still may have a full bladder. So mm -hmm. it's important to get up frequently to empty that so that your uterus can go back to its original place where it's yeah. supposed to be. Yes, so important. I think that just, again, adds like another reason as to why your nurse is coming in and pushing on your belly. Yes. Because if that uterus is shifted to the side, like there goes you onto the list of like, you could have a bleeding risk now. Yeah. Like there are all these things that fit together. And, you know, the little things like peeing can really decrease your risk of having a hemorrhage even, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. And make such a big difference. Um, I do think it also is important that, you know, to note that when you do choose to get like an epidural or if you have a C-section, you, you will have a catheter. Yes. And like, depending on how your birth goes, it may need to stay in for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Or like it may come out right after birth and you need to pee within a certain window of time. Yes. Which can kind of seem crazy where yeah. they're like, you need to pee six hours after, you know. Maybe yes. six hours. Yes. <laughs> but, but it's like, what are you, what's your reasoning behind that timeline? And like, what are some things you do to help a mom pee? I know yeah. that sounds funny, but yeah, like, let's get into it's the a thing, like the party <laughs> in the potty. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, the reason we give you six hours again after your catheter is out is, um, for a little bit of what we just talked about where we don't want your bladder getting too full and pushing your uterus out of the way. Um, the other thing that we're looking for is making sure you're getting enough out. Um, this kind of gives us an idea of how well your kidneys are being perfused and how much fluid that you've got on board. If you're not voiding enough, um, then we're probably going to need to give you some IV fluids just to give your um, body a little bit of a boost. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're keeping a close eye on. But yeah, like I said, your bladder can get pretty sleepy with a catheter. So here are some tricks that we use. <laughs> we love them. To be able to pee again. Um, so one of them that we often use, obviously, is like running water in the sink to stream that little trickle, that little waterfall. Yep. You're like, oh, <laughs> kind of helps. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, your body in. Um, we also love blowing bubbles. So we'll give you... Okay, what? I have never heard yeah, that one. Okay, so Blowing bubbles. I'll give you a little like, cup of water with a straw. And if you blow bubbles with that straw, it helps like relax those muscles down there. How interesting. I know, kind of cool. Wait, that is kind of crazy. Yeah. I have never heard that. Give it a try next time. No, honestly, yeah. next time I'm like in the bathroom, <laughs> like, 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 hmm. yeah. it really Take my works. juice box. I know, it sounds nuts, but it actually like... That's amazing. That's my best trick that I can I, give. I love that. Um, we also will use a peri bottle. And sometimes if you can like spray warm water down there while you're trying to start, that can help like initiate mm -hmm. you peeing. Love that. Yeah. I've heard that one. Yeah. We always used to joke about the like <laughs> hand in a cup of warm water like yeah. you do on your friends at like a sleepover <laughs> to like make them pee the bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. sometimes I've seen that one used. Yeah, totally. But yeah, lots of tricks in I your know. bag to help people go pee, which yeah. is funny. But also while we're here, let's talk a little about like peri care that you're yeah. going to be doing post-birth. I feel like a lot of women <laughs> are so nervous mm -hmm. about just like how bad everything's going to hurt and like yeah. the first poop after going oh, or after yeah. having a baby and like, I don't know, you're just traumatized. Yeah. I feel like in, in oftentimes it's like things you've imagined. Mm -hmm. Like it's not nearly as bad as what you think it may be. Yeah. But, you know, talk us through how you're how you're helping women feel clean and how you're helping them, you know, feel like it's actually going to be okay yeah. <laughs> those first couple hours. <laughs> I think this is something that scares people the most. Totally. Postpartum is like peri care yes. and what things look like now, what things feel like. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, our best 
best friend will be a peri bottle. Um, so it's just like kind of a little water bottle that you'll use mm-hmm. to like squirt water down there, clean yourself up. Yeah. We'll use warm water for that. Um, and then we also love witch hazel pads. Which is like the best. Everyone's favorite. Yes. So they're just like little medicated pads, kind of look like um, the makeup remover. Totally. Type yeah. Of thing. Yeah. And a little bit bigger, those. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll put those um, just uh, on your pad, essentially, to help with healing. Um, we usually will use like some creams, like a hydrocortisone, to help with swelling and inflammation. Um, and then you will be wearing like giant pads or diapers, um, yes. which people don't usually expect. I think a lot of people don't understand how much you use in postpartum mm-hmm. and for how long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like very normal, very normal thing. So having those pads and mesh undies <laughs> that will yes. be your life for the next little and bit And like take advantage of the pads and the mesh yes. undies <laughs> that yeah. the hospital offers you. Totally. I'll like, see people bring in, you know, luggages of their own supplies, which is great. But yeah. maybe, you know, consider saving that for home. Totally. You've got everything that you need at the hospital yes. as far as peri-care goes. Yes. And it's like you're paying for it anyway, yeah, so take advantage. advantage. <laughs> and, honestly, my word of advice, take them every home. time I send someone home, I'm like, please pack up every single thing in the bathroom and yes. take it home with you. Like, yeah. If you touched it, if you opened it, if you looked at it, it's yours. Take yeah. It. Like, yeah. You're like, we literally can't use it again, yeah, no, so it please. Yeah. Yes. So take all those witch hazel pads and all those, you know mattress size pads home with you yes yes but literally right you're like um how could i possibly even like use this size of a pad and then you're wearing it (laughs) you're like oh i see i see how this works yeah no that's i think that's such good advice i also remember and i actually recently was reading like a research article about this so i'm curious what you think and as to if this has been kind of something that's gone through your floor but it was it was an article about the use of ice in recovery oh, okay. and how in my past experience I had heard like yeah, use the ice like ice helps with swelling and I'm totally an advocate I'm like yeah, yeah. sit on that ice pack like you will <laughs> feel better you know uh-huh. but I heard or in this article I was reading it was saying that the cold can keep the like blood flow oh. like kind of restrict the blood flow to okay. the area and kind of slow down your healing process. Interesting. And so in the article, it was just recommending like ice less, yeah. essentially, you know, okay. still use ice. It wasn't like saying it's totally bad yeah. and don't use it. Mm-hmm. But instead of like constantly sitting on an ice pack, it was like maybe alternate like ice and like a warm rag for a little while yeah. to like increase the perfusion to the area of injury, yeah, <laughs> your birth canal. I, I have not heard of that. Okay. I mean, that sounds reasonable i know i was it like it makes hmm. sense in my mind right i yeah. know like it makes sense to me but yeah. i'm like i don't think i've ever seen this in practice no. slash i don't know if people like this is some trick that old yeah. nurses have and i just am um, no i don't I know even <laughs> exactly yeah. no, i mean yeah i think we use we do use ice a lot yeah but that does sound reasonable yeah I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm like, look into it. See how it goes with your patients. Yeah, I know. I'll let you read it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think all the things that we've talked about so far, I think the cramps, I think like the fundal checks, having to have an IV, Pitocin, I think like pericare, all of these Mm -hmm. things are things that like I just didn't expect. Yeah. And I I wasn't expecting it to you know, be as difficult as it was, I think. Yeah. So I think having a more clear expectation would have been really beneficial totally. in my own experience. Yeah. 
The last thing I can think of off the top of my head that I wish I had maybe like known more about Mm -hmm. was just like what feeding would be like. Yes. And the timetable that the baby has kind of those first 24 hours after birth Mm because they kind of have like a little sleep schedule almost. They're on like their own. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where you know way more about it than me. Take (laughs) it away. Talk us through like feeding, what to expect. Yes. So, um, we, let's mostly talk about breastfeeding. I feel like that's where people get lost. Yes. So with breastfeeding, it's super important to get your baby latched as soon as possible after birth. Um, and you know a little bit about that, like working labor and delivery. Yes. That's kind of out of my realm, but the sooner you can get your baby on, the better. Mm-hmm. Just to get that practice in. We call it the golden hour. Yes, the right? golden hour. Okay. Yep. Yes. You should be skin to skin with that baby, mm-hmm. hopefully feeding if you can. Yes. It is a special time. And I will <laughs> say often, it, from my experience, it seems like babies will kind of like just perform their very best mm-hmm. in that first little while. Totally, yeah. Um, and then you'll come to the postpartum unit and your baby will probably be so sleepy the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that's really normal. We expect them to be pretty tired and um, difficult to keep awake for feeds the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So don't be concerned if your baby is like having a hard time waking up for feeds, if you're like yes. having to stimulate your baby to stay awake. Yes. Totally normal. I would say to that point though, you don't encourage parents to let the baby sleep, no. though, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, get into that. Old practice. I'll have, mm. you know, people's parents come in and they're like, oh, we let the baby they sleep slept for the first two days. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. Um, You're like, and how much like, weight did they lose? Ooh, hey, <laughs> ouch. Now we're like playing catch up. But Literally. Um, we uh, typically want your baby to eat every two to three hours. That's kind of our goal. So we want them eating eight to 12 times a day. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot. Yes, it does, and it is, (laughs) which, like, have an expectation of that, especially in the early days, because feeding takes a long Long time. time. Yeah, totally. Um, So I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is because your baby is going to be so sleepy, and um, he may be learning how to breastfeed the first time, uh, it will take time, and it may not look beautiful and flawless and easy those Mm -hmm. first days, weeks, like it will take some time. Um, but that's okay. Your nurse is there to help you your whole hospital stay. You'll see a lactation specialist while you're there. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's maybe talk about like colostrum. Yes, and breast please. So your first few days after delivering your baby, you'll have colostrum um, is what we call it. It's kind of the beginning stages of breast milk. It's not quite breast milk yet. A little different. Mm-hmm. Um, the consistency, the makeup of it is a little different. They often call it liquid gold because it looks yes. just creamy, goldy Thick, stuff. Beautiful colostrum. Yes. Like yeah. Chick-fil-A sauce, yeah. kind of. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's, That's kind of good. I just comparison. thought of that. <laughs> yes. Honestly accurate. We I know. I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never look at that sauce the same, probably. (laughs) R.I.P. Great, great. Um, Yeah, you'll just have colostrum for the first several days. Um, And then around day three to five is when your breast milk will come in. But with colostrum, you'll just have small quantities Mm -hmm. of it. And that's okay because your baby's tummy is like the size of the tip of your pinky finger. Like itty bitty. So it really only takes a small amount to fill your baby right up and to give it exactly what it needs. Um. So and I feel like that's almost the number one stressor mm-hmm. is moms are like my supply. Like yes. 
I am so stressed. I feel like I'm making nothing. (laughs) Like, they're just sucking and sucking and sucking and nothing's coming. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, true. Yeah. But normal. You do have small quantities, but that's normal and that's what you expect. Yes. And my biggest advice is if you are concerned about not having enough, have your milk, or have your milk, have your nurse teach you how to do manual expression, Mm -hmm. um, which is essentially like a massage to your breast to draw out that colostrum or breast mm-hmm. milk. And it gives you just like a great like visualization of what you have. Totally. Um, to draw out that colostrum from your breast. Just so you can like literally lay eyes on it and just say, oh, like I do I have, do have this. Mm-hmm. So it's hard when you're breastfeeding to see exactly how much your baby is getting. Totally. You, you're not putting it in a bottle. You're not physically mm-hmm. seeing them drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting that manual expression, I feel like really helps people to see like, oh, I do have something and my baby is getting this. Yes. So that's my advice if you're worried about, like, not having enough. Um, but let's talk about how we know that your baby mm. is getting enough. Ayo, yep. <laughs> um, so we will keep a very close eye on how many wet and poopy diapers your baby is having in the hospital. And then we also will weigh them very frequently while you're there. So at least once a day. Um, so let's first maybe get into the diapers. So mm-hmm. on day one, we just expect your baby to have one wet and one poopy diaper. Day two, we would want two wet diapers. Day three, three wet diapers, and so on till around day six to eight, where mm-hmm. then it will kind of linger around that six to eight a day, maybe more, um, but at least those six yeah. to eight a day. Um, and then kind of the same with days, not up to six to eight, but you know, you'll yeah, kind of I'm like, start. I hope not six to eight, they're <laughs> <No>. poor little bum. Poor things, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but you know, at least one poop that first day, and so on. Um, yes. And I think. A cool thing to mention, too, is while you're watching these poops, another thing that they're looking in the hospital is at the baby's bilirubin. Yes. And you may not expect that that will happen, because I know I was kind of surprised, actually, because the way they check it is they come in and prick your baby's heel. Yes. They take a blood draw. Yeah. And look at that bilirubin level, and this is pretty much looking at how your liver is breaking down the bile that's in your body, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um. And when they poop, those black, tarry poops that are happening for those first couple of days of life, that is essentially your body, like, pooping out that bilirubin. Yes. And so when your baby is not pooping, mm-hmm. it begins to be a concern of, like, oh, is my baby going to be jaundiced? Yeah. Will they need phototherapy and have to be under those lights totally. to help them synthesize the bile? So it's, like, yeah. there are other pieces to the puzzle. Yes. Besides, like, oh, did your baby poop? Yeah. You know, that your nurse is Everything actually is looking at, yes, <laughs> you know? For sure. Not just out of curiosity. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is one of the reasons that we're keeping such a close eye on your baby's wet diapers. Um, mm-hmm. Just like adults, if you're not drinking enough and you're dehydrated, you're not going to be, you know, peeing as much. Same with babies. Um, so just making sure they're getting a good supply there. And then watching their weight. So it's normal for babies to lose weight after delivery. Totally mm-hmm. normal, totally expected. Um, it's just a matter of making sure they're not losing too much. So at the hospital I work at, our rule of thumb is we want them to lose less than 10% of their birth weight. Mm-hmm. So once they start creeping up towards that 10% weight loss, we maybe would start considering supplementation, whether that's with pumped milk or formula. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other story. Um, but just making sure they're not losing too much. And that kind of, that and the diapers gives us a good indication of how much your baby is getting. Mm-hmm. So 
Don't stress. I know. Don't freak out. That's like, I wish I could tell my first baby self that, like, Mm -hmm. don't worry. Yeah. But I also think, and you kind of touched on this, noting that breast milk works on a supply and demand, like, function. So the more your body feels like it needs to feed the baby, so the more often the baby is put to breast or you pump, the more your body thinks, oh, I need to make more milk For because sure. this baby needs to eat more often. Yeah. And so when your nurse is saying, try and wake your baby every two to three hours, yes. it's not only to make sure that baby is eating and staying hydrated and having those wet diapers, but it's also doing you a favor yeah. and saying, hey, you're telling your body it needs to start making this milk to keep this baby alive because totally. it's on the outside now, yes. <laughs> you know. And that's a good thing to keep in mind, too, if your baby is, like, say, in the NICU mm-hmm. or you're unable to breastfeed. Like, yes. you still want to stay on that every two to three hour schedule. Yes, to formula. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I Yeah, which I I always feel for those mamas that I'm like, yeah. you got to pump yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Amazing. People who, like, exclusively pump Pleasure. or... It's hard work, and it is no joke. So just props, big props. Breastfeeding, feeding in general, letting your breast bottle. It's like a huge beast to tackle. Yes, and it really is like such a big stressor, Mm -hmm. I think, and it continues to be. I've been laughing recently. I've seen a lot of like my friends on social media who have their babies are like starting to be one and like like six months to one one year old, and they're starting new foods, and it's just like, Mm such a struggle yeah and I'm like it's a struggle from day one yeah. like when you're worried about like breastfeeding them <laughs> yes. or like will they take the bottle you know mm-hmm. you're stressed and it just like yes. never ends For sure. <laughs> so find a good happy mental space yes. about it just take it feed by feed you know one at a time and then reset for the next one and ask for help too your nurses are well trained to help you with breastfeeding and manual expression and pumping, all the things. We are ready to go to help you, and you will see a lactation specialist while you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And another plug to to make an outpatient lactation yeah, <laughs> um, appointment. They can usually stack it with your pediatrician appointment, so mm-hmm. you can just have one right after the other. Yes. Um, even if you go home feeling like the most confident breastfeeder in the entire world, I would still recommend making an appointment. Totally. Just have another set of eyes, like making sure your lap looks okay, making sure you know, everything's going well and to give you those tips and support that you're needing when you go home. Yes, I agree. I mean, take advantage mm-hmm. of every resource you have those yes. first couple weeks because yeah. even if it's just to have someone say, like, you're doing great, Yeah. that could mentally put you in a space of, like, oh, wow, yeah. this is working for us rather than, like, constantly stressing about if it's working, even if they are eating well, you know. Yeah. So I, I think utilize your resources, absolutely. I think that's a great advice. I also wanted to just say that if your baby is having a hard time breastfeeding um, while you're still in the hospital, don't feel the need to like immediately jump to bottle. Like we have a lot of different resources that we can use to feed your baby that aren't like a bottle with a nipple if that's not your goal and mm-hmm. not something you're wanting to do. We can do spoon feeds, we can do syringe feeds, a finger feed. Like mm-hmm. we, we have so many different ways to feed a newborn. So if you're really hoping to avoid bottle feeding, that's okay. We can still do that while making sure your baby's eating if latching isn't going okay from the start. Mm-hmm. So just ask your nurse for help. We've got lots of ideas, lots it. of different techniques to use. I love it. Teaching our people to advocate for themselves yes. and know that they can open those conversations with mm-hmm. their nurse. Yeah. Because, like, there's such 
uh, feeling of like hierarchy when you go into the hospital setting where it's like, oh, the medical professional knows better. Yeah. And you know, obviously, to some point, yeah, they probably do because of their education and this is their job and like yeah. you're just here and they're trying to help you. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that like they know better for you. Exactly. You know, and being able to say, actually, these are things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Help me meet my goals. Exactly. Like. Every nurse is going to be like, of course, girl, let me help you, yeah, you know. for sure. Or I hope every nurse is that way. if isn't like that, then hire your nurse. Yeah, then say no one. and ask for Rachel. <laughs> yeah, I'll come help you. I'll come give you a big hug and we'll get things figured she's on, out. She's on call 24-7, yeah. 365. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Could you imagine? I always tell people, though, like, you know your baby the best. Like, yes, we have, like, you know, education and training in our background, but, like, you are the parent and you know this baby more than anybody on the planet. Mm-hmm. You also know yourself better than we do, so... Again, yeah, always advocate for yourself, and if you feel like you need more help or a different kind of help, like, speak up, you know? I love that. Lots of different resources and ways to help. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, I feel like we touched on most of the things I feel like I was like, what the heck about? <laughs> yeah. But I would love to ask you a couple, like, more personal questions, if you're okay with that. Yeah, let's And do just, it. like, how, I'm just curious how your perception of birth and, like, entering motherhood has changed since being a postpartum nurse man it's changed a lot has it i think part of that is because of the hospital that i work at Mm. and the patient population that we have Um, i do see more homeless scenarios which makes me a little nervous totally i can't even lie um i also feel almost funny being a postpartum nurse while not going through postpartum myself yet Mm. um but I do feel that it has prepared me so much and just knowing what things look like and what to expect I feel like makes me feel a little more prepared I Mm -hmm. guess but yeah I would say it makes me a little nervous yeah I I that's actually like one of my questions for you I was I was wondering like what fears you have now because of things you've seen that maybe you didn't know about before yeah Um, I think, honestly, a big thing is just, like, mentally being able to, like, take on all of the stress and responsibility that comes with, you know, pregnancy and postpartum and taking care of another human. That is, like, very intimidating. Um, But also, like, I see, you know, patients do it every day, and I see, like, how people just figure it out, and you just do it, and you just... I don't know. I feel like I'm not answering your question well, but like. No, absolutely. I don't know. We're like, just like you said, I think so much of going into motherhood and like finding out you're pregnant and knowing you're going to like have this little person you have to yeah. literally keep alive. Like that is stressful. Yeah. And like recognizing that and voicing that is real and yeah. that's important. But then also saying like, but you see people do it every day. Exactly. And, and like how much peace of mind you can take in being like. Mm-hmm. You can do it. People are so yeah. capable, you yes. know, more than they think they are. Mm-hmm. I also, like, you know, on the other end, I just get to watch moms bond with their babies all day, every day, and it is the most beautiful, like, sweetest thing I've ever seen, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the excitement that that gives me that one day I'll be able to do that is really, like, something that I look forward to, and yeah. it's a really special time. You know, I feel like today we've talked about a lot of the things that aren't glamorous and that are hard and painful and uncomfortable, but postpartum really is, like, such a beautiful time where you get to just meet this new baby and explore them and, like, see a new side of you and 
you know, your partner or your family that's there to support you, you know, and yeah. coming together to, like, love this new human and to, like, figure out how to take care of them. I think that's, like, so exciting yes. and so wonderful. I love that so much, and I love that you feel that that's something you get to see often. Yeah. Because that's, that's how I feel about it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's exciting to see other people also share the same <laughs> viewpoint I guess where yeah. I'm like yes rage good I'm so glad you feel that way oh, I'm just like a little postpartum nerd over here no, I just I love it but like what a oh, gift yeah. and and also like I already said this earlier but like to, to know the kind of nurse you are and to like recognize this big life change that people are going through and to know that you're the kind of nurse that will be there and be like supportive and loving and like do everything to make it a positive experience and life change like I just know you're that kind of nurse, so I'm I'm seriously like, ask for Rachel, you guys. (laughs) You're so nice. Um, What, though, what are some things, like, when you do have a baby, what are some things that, like, you're not going to do, or, like, you will do postpartum? I don't know. Oh, man, that's a good question. I feel like a lot of people have, like, strong opinions on induced or not getting induced I feel like stuff like that I I can truly say I don't have a strong opinion on Mm -hmm. one way or another Mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of am just going in with the mentality of whatever happens is how it needs to happen good yeah Um, I feel honestly pretty flexible on like most of my beliefs about like postpartum and what I would want and what I wouldn't want which I feel like maybe helps me on like my nursing end too just totally a little bit more accepting of either direction totally more medical intervention or less medical intervention I just feel like I'm kind of the happy medium honestly yes which is so healthy yeah we need people like you (laughs) I try to stay pretty neutral yes I think I've seen both ends often enough to know that there isn't like one way that's the right way to do things yes yes um but I feel like I don't know I think when I, you know, end up one day going through the postpartum phase, just kind of taking things for what they are and just, like, rolling with the punches and just taking it minute by minute, you know, Um, just knowing that there's going to be hard hours and there's going to be good hours and you just kind of have to, like, get through both. Yeah. Um, I will say a lot of people will bring different things to the hospital. I was going to say. We can get into that. (laughs) Yes, I was going to say. Next question, though, what are you bringing? Because that (laughs) 40-pound suitcase... Probably not. I don't know. Maybe. Straight up move in to yeah. the hospital. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> ready no. for like a month's stay. <laughs> no, it's great. And again, I have no judgment on how no, much it's or like how bring what you, you think bring. you need. It, Absolutely. It does not impact me at all as yeah. a nurse. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of funny. Um, but I will say the hospital, I mean, at least the hospital I work at, we have every, like, everything you're going to need. We have all the pads, all the undies, all the peri care, mm-hmm. pillows, blankets, socks. Like, you know, we have everything. Yes. Um, so I see people, you know, will bring their own pillow or their own blanket. That's fine, but totally. it's not necessary. Or people will bring their own peri-care stuff. And maybe just save that for when you go home because you're going to yes. need it. Um, but your hospital should have everything that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of people bringing, like, a nightlight or a fan. I'll definitely be doing that. Oh, Like a little fan to hook onto your bed. That's a good idea. You know? So I feel like that is a good idea. Because like, we didn't even talk about that, but mm-hmm. girl, you will be sweaty. Oh. Sweaty. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And it's tough because you don't want to keep your room cold because then your baby might get oh. it. So having that fan. Okay, honestly, adding that to my list yeah. of next time around. Yeah, kind of nice. And then, yeah, I see those like night lights. You don't have to flip on all the hospital room lights, you know, when you're waking up to pee. I think that's 
Wow, definitely something. Round People three, here I go. People bring a lot of clothes for their babies, but you're going to be skin to skin a lot of your hospital stay. So, I don't know, take that for what it is, but I probably won't yeah. pack too much on it. We always laugh about that where I'm like, yeah. you're so excited to dress yes. your little human and you're like, <laughs> I have so many cute outfits. Yes. And then I'm like, they're naked the whole time. I know, and I know. And even if they aren't naked, they're taking their clothes off every yeah. time they come to like... Exam, like do an exam yeah. and take their vitals. For so sure. it's like, well, they just got undressed and dressed 15 times today. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then they'll probably poop on it. So oh, just honestly, keep them naked. Yeah, yes. Yes, literally. Literally. Ralph literally pooped through his outfit the second I put him in it. I like oh, dressed no. him right before we were leaving home, pooped through it. I was like, well, good thing I brought an outfit. I was yeah. like, well, maybe I should have brought two because oh now God. he's naked. See, but then in my postpartum mind, I'm like, oh, I love poop and pee. That's great. <laughs> I know. Love my nurse is like, like, get it all out. Yes. <laughs> Literally, though. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. That's amazing. Well, I guess maybe my last my last thing would just be, and you've given so many bits of advice throughout this podcast, but, like, if you were sitting down with a new mom like you do every shift, what's what are you telling her? Like, what's your advice to her as she just, like, takes on those next couple <laughs> days postpartum? Just that you can do this. Like, you are so capable, more than you think. Um, I see people going through these, like, insanely hard deliveries and pregnancies, and to get to the postpartum phase, like, they've already gone through so much, but, like, keep going. You can do this. And not everybody loves the newborn phase, so that's okay. It's, like, you know, it's a short time. It really, it really is. You blink. Yeah. And I also think, you know, just find those people that are going to support you when you go home. Like, have that group that, you know, you can rely on when you're absolutely tired out of your mind or when you think that you can't keep going. Like, have a support system in mind that you can reach out to. But just know, like, you are so capable and so strong and, like, you were made for this. So, full faith that, like, you can just get through anything and enjoy it. Like, it's such a special time just with this new baby, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, whether your baby's in the NICU or coming home with you, just, like, enjoy them as much as you can. Well, you guys, after this chat with Rachel, I hope that you can walk into your postpartum experience feeling a little more confident and educated about what is going to be happening, what your nurse is actually doing when they come into your room. And I feel like, you know, opening your eyes to the fact that it's all these big pieces of the puzzle that can, you know, keep you safe and keep you from having a medical emergency that make, you know, the interruptions a little less annoying. Can I say that? (laughs) Anyway, I hope you all get a fantastic nurse like Rachel. She's amazing. And I am so grateful for her coming to share her expertise with us because we truly are more educated for it. If you aren't already, follow me along on Instagram at undereducated.pod and catch us here next week for another episode. Mm